Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to this completely unnecessary podcast. It's Tuesday. It's May 19th. It's 2020. I'm trying to hold it. <laughs> <I> yawn. <laughs> He's already sick of the podcast. I'm so tired. That's that's Ian Ferguson. I'm Pat Contra. Yeah, we're starting a little bit early recording. Uh, on the show today, we'll be talking about lots of fun stuff. Uh, Paper Mario Origami was announced. Clubhouse Games 51 trailer. Uh, the latest Nintendo Online game announcements. Nintendo Sue Switch Hackers. It's a very Nintendo-heavy podcast. Smash Brothers Ultimate Drop from Evo. And it's not just because we're Nintendo, Nintendo fanboys. There's not that much going on. I mean, on. we can just talk about Evo as Evo. It doesn't have to be Smash Brothers as the headline thing that we're discussing. Well, so it'll be the that... headline to get to get viewers on YouTube, but yes. And a Patreon poll topic that's not, and a Q&A. Um, Ian. Yes. Have, uh, by the way, I think we're at week 15 for the haircut. Mm. non-haircut and it's it's holding on for dear life now it's it now it's at the point where where when i'm working out the hair is so long and sweaty it gets in my eyes and stings so it's like it stings it's fucking gross it, it's it's like my hair is gross or that's pull it back pull it back we want to put it up in a little little no one's watching guy? you pull it back as far as you can oh, you, and then just use like a hair clip he's like i don't have do i have a hair clip does someone leave a hair clip here i can use i can do that i guess I don't know. Brush, brush some super glue through it. <laughs> brush some, or is that, or you always say it back. Use some hair gel. I think the super glue will be hard to come out. <laughs> yes, of course. I, I remember that ice hair gel back back in the metrosexual days. It was like that. Those little tubes that like that shit didn't come out. I don't know if you remember that stuff from like the early 2000s. I remember LA looks from the 80s. Well, no, that was just like putting sugar in your hair. Like, honey, that's LA looks <laughs> was just pure sugar. I guess that's how it stood your hair up. Um, my uh, my cousin who went through his uh, punk phase, who did like his huge mohawk, like I'm talking like a foot mohawk, literally did the, I guess, the old school method of like yolks, egg yolks. Mm-hmm. And you mix I had something. a friend who did that once. He had a... Uh... It was real long. It was about like yeah, that. yeah. And he actually got it to he he would maybe like once or twice a year he would actually stand it all the way up. Yeah, and egg yolks was what he uh, not egg yolks. Um, I think it was I think it's egg whites. Actually, oh, it's egg whites. It's that's, egg whites. That's, actually, that's the, the, the sticky part. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess you turn your hair yellow if you use the egg yolks. But yeah, I think egg whites was what he used. How do we get on hair technology? I was more about the ice. It was called ice back then. There was like a green one. My hair would have had a green tint to it when I when I would do that. And like we're talking two thousand two, two thousand three. Don't you know? Don't uh, don't don't hit me too hard on that. Uh, what did you do this e- uh, weekend, Ian? I almost said e- Ian end. Shit! What did I do? Uh, I played D and D. I played more Streets of Rage four. Wow! Uh, three weeks in a row now. I just keep playing that Streets of Rage four. It's a- did you, did you, are you the one who randomly texts me saying you got to get this game? 
Uh, Who texted me that? Uh, well, yeah, I think I did. But you sent you sent you texted something to me, and I just responded with a random non-answer. Of, of course, because um, so that's just... what I was playing at the time. Yes, um, yes. I said I got Raglan. You said get Streets of Rage, Rage 4. Four. Yeah, exactly. Okay. It was a response to you getting Raglan. Um, cleaned both locations of Luna for about seven hours on Sunday, and yesterday we opened for our first. How should I put it? More full service curbside. Uh, there was we did a handful of uh, curbside pickups um, during like lockdown. Um, just a handful where people could order during the week, and then we would go and they would just drive up and we'd run the orders out. Uh, but this, we're now open. Um, no one can come in. Uh, people can walk up to the table. They can trade stuff in. Uh, we have like a to, folding table set up. Uh, one of our low boys that we used to keep the um, like discount stuff in. Okay. Uh, we have in front. Do you keep the free bin out front with you? The free bin is off to the side. <laughs> uh, the free bin is probably a, that, a that's carrier the, for disease. I was say, that's the most diseases. That's a petri dish. The, the free bin. So we're doing trade ins, um, disinfecting them, gloves, masks, all that. Uh, it's it's a lot of steps. Um, but everyone was nice yesterday. Everyone wore masks. Um, Wear masks, people, please. It's really not that big of a fucking deal. Um. So yeah, I mean, it was it was fine, but I I, I mean, I'm I obviously I'm not doing the amount of work uh, nearly that first responders and even other people who uh, whose jobs were determined essential have been done. But I haven't had to do a lot of work for the past two months. So two fu- two full days of work, I'm, I'm exhausted, and my shoulder, uh, you know, doesn't hurt as much anymore, but um it's exhausted today like just the the constant movement i'm like it's weird it's not like a lot of pain but how do i describe it, it it's like a tired muscle like it just feels tired it doesn't want you to gotta, fucking move <laughs> you, we gotta do some do some left hook training on the heavy bag in the garage you gotta get that back going gotta, so get it going again. Uh, i've been doing curls with anything that's slightly weighted when i have time and slightly then, weighted and then like flies like this to because that's where the problem really get the was resistance bands that would help a lot well uh the resistance ring that comes with we fit actually oh, fit yeah okay too. but i uh yeah i've just been like lifting water bottles and stuff just trying to get some some muscle back in there Oh, okay. But yeah, no, it was uh, that's what I did this weekend. Um I've been uh I've been watching a lot of Star Trek Next Generation and catching up. I haven't I haven't gone through the uh gone through them on Netflix in like five years at least, six years. Mm-hmm. And um I'm not season seven and boy am I struggling to get through season seven seven. So if you never watched Star Trek Next Generation, it's a really good show, obviously. Um first season's horrible because it has the trappings and it, and it's like a, a a bad echo of the original series. I think parts of it are uh, fun enough, but it's not. Yeah, but it's not. It's di- not why people like the next generation. It's, if it continued like that, it would not have lasted. No, absolutely um, not. So the first season's bad. There's like maybe six episodes you watch in the first season, uh, and then you move on and never watch it again. Plus, it's Riker without a beard. No one likes Riker without a beard. It's creepy. I don't. Um, that's why I never. You never went clean shaven again after that. Jonathan Frakes. Season two finds its footing a little bit. You get Dr. Pulaski. They got rid of uh, Gates McFadden behind the scenes, was not getting along with the writers, or something happened that was weird. So they wrote her off for a year, and they got Dr. Pulaski as the resident doctor, who isn't a bad character. Some people don't like her. I think she's a, she's a fine character. But, but the second season, it starts to be like, okay, we're not the original Star Trek anymore. We have to do our own thing, establish the characters a little better. Then season three is, is outstanding. Season three is probably the best season um, in terms of combination of of stories that really hit the sweet spot of obviously 
classic sci-fi tales, but there's also it's for the first time you have shows that actually have good tense like tension and action mm-hmm. throughout some of them, and that's when they, they build in the. Uh, that's I think that's when they, they introduced the Cardassians is is in season three or four, and those motherfuckers are like a main villain in a lot of them, but they're like not a true villain because we have like a tense peace treaty with them, or or at least a yes, ceasefire. I remember them. So um, that was the that was basically the new villain established that was like okay, we got to watch out for these guys. So season three is outstanding, and it has the two. It ends with the with the the Borg, uh, who are introduced in season two for the first time, and then they come back for real in season three at the end. And that's like the famous best of both worlds um, two-par that ends season three, starts season four. So season three and season four are like the best seasons to watch. They're, they're probably the best. Uh, and, and then I, I read behind the scenes also because that's when they started accepting basically fans' scripts and ideas. Mm. So that's when the, the, the ideas really exploded. Gotcha. So uh, in season three, I think it's season three, they bring back Tasha Yar, who, spoilers, is killed off unceremoniously in season one because she wanted off the show, Denise Crosby. Um, so there's a an episode called yesterday's enterprise in season three. Um, that is so good. It, it's, it looks and feels in a shot. Like it's a movie for like a 45 minute episode. It could have easily been a two parter. Um, yeah, it's season three and it has to do with time travel and, and an enterprise in the past and then saving it. And there's an alternate future where we never had the, the peace treaty with the Klingons or so still at war with the Klingons. And it's so good. I can't. I don't. I don't want to give away any spoilers. But go watch, go watch that episode. And they even said after the fact, we, if if we had known, we would have done the crossover movie with Star Trek Generations. We would have saved this plot and used it for generations with the original mm-hmm. original Enterprise, and it would have been fantastic. And it's almost a shame that because of that, because that Generations movie is trash. Uh, most of the Next Generation movies are trash. You only have one good Next Generation movie out of, out of four. Um, Nemesis. I hear there's a director's cut that's that's a lot better but that nemesis was bad and i saw that in theaters the last next generation movie. It was I, think so- I saw i think i saw all three of them in theaters actually there's three next generation Four. movies right generations first contact insurrection which is like a tv movie uh insurrection i don't think i ever saw then uh i saw parts of it but uh people like the borg one the best because it's a borg which one is that first contact that's the second one everyone loves that okay one. yeah i saw that one yeah uh, but then nemesis um came out in 2002 and that was so bad and underperformed that they had planned for one final send-off Next Generation movie and they canceled it because of that unfortunately maybe I didn't see uh, Nemesis I think I saw the middle two then yeah Nemesis supposedly has like 40 minutes cut out of it because they make it into an action movie and all the character moments are just fucking gone or excised and so if there's ever 2002 2002 you had a very very young um, uh, what the fuck's his name god I can't think of anything this morning uh, the guy, the guy uh, Mark Hardy, Mark Hardy, Tom Hardy, very young Tom Hardy playing uh, Shinzon, which was the the clone. Uh, it was the Romulan clone of Picard. It's a terrible plot. That that last movie. Okay, yeah, it's really. I didn't bad. see that one. I, it, you can skip it. I saw the middle two um, in theaters with my pops. Okay, so that's probably the, the, the probably the two best. Yeah, ones. first contact I definitely remember, and I know I saw no, I saw Generations. The well. Generations is not good to see uh, Shatner at like sixty five years old. Was one, that the first one? The first one, the next generation, yeah, which has the they they they, they thought okay, that I saw the first they, two. They they idiotically thought, well, we have this extremely popular show, but no one's going to see the movie. We have to get back sixty five year old Shatner for no reason and have him throwing punches against uh, Malcolm McDowell for uh, you know or, it's Malcolm McDowell Malcolm McDowell for no reason. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous that they didn't think that the, the uh, Star Trek next generation cast could carry a movie when they obviously could. Anyway, so season three and four are great. 
five is hanging in there. Once you get to six, you realize the the cast is still excellent. The direction is excellent. We are really running out of ideas now by season six. Um, like I said, there's it's still a good show, but you see the plots being recycled every like third or fourth episode, and then by season seven, every other episode is some mysterious force took over one of the the crew members and changed them, or some mysterious force took over the ship and we can't turn it back on, or we have to. That's like every other episode by like season seven. Like yeah. they really are out of ideas. So now I'm just I'm just waiting it for it to end like death. This show, but the last two episodes, the best of um, uh, all good things. Uh, part one and two are, are, is an excellent, if I remember. I don't remember the, the details, but it was an excellent way to end the series, and everyone loves that. Ha- that's how it ends the series. So that's my little Star Trek Next Generation. And then I might get back into Deep Space Nine because I remember I, I mem- remember enjoying Deep Space Nine a lot Deep more. Deep Space Nine is fantastic. When I was growing up, I don't know if it was because of how I just how I grew up and how I was appreciating things, um, but I watched almost all of Gen- uh, Next Generation with my dad, mm-hmm. and I liked it. Uh, I wouldn't really admit it at the time, but I liked it. But Deep Space Nine was where I was like, but I watched it because it was what my dad was watching and I didn't mind it, you know, instead of going and doing something else, reading a book, playing with toys or whatever, I'd go hang out with my dad and watch it. Deep Space Nine was the one that I was like actively invested in. Um, And it's been ages since I've seen it and I keep telling myself I'm going to rewatch it and I haven't yet. How good is Quark? Quark is the best character. Is Deep Space Nine streaming on something right now? Oh, they're all on Netflix. Oh, they're all on Netflix. Okay, um, they're on Netflix. Voyager's on it as well, and then they're actually also on Prime. I saw them uh, Next Generation on both, but yeah, they're all on Netflix. I'd watch Deep Space Nine again. I like um, that sort of that sort of space station. Yeah, the, it's, the... it's one long story basically. Yeah, with and it, then it gets into Dominion War and things like that. And the last season's a little rocky because they fired the one actress, unfortunately. The uh, the trill. Yeah. Um. Which so they tried to replace her, so it didn't work. I hate when they do that with shows. Leave her on for one last year. Anyway. Um, then she got married to Worf. That's right. Worf came onto the show after Next Generation uh-huh. ended. Um, there was those few weird crossover episodes. Yeah. To introduce them, they they go Deep Space Nine, and then I think the Voyager starts at Deep Space Nine. But, you know, at one point in time, yeah, there was there was three Star Trek shows. I think at one point in time, or or, or the, almost three shows at one time. Voyager started. Next Generation was well over by the time Voyager came. Uh, was out. it well over? I thought it maybe clipped it. When did Voyager? I come don't. Out? I don't think it clipped it. Okay, Star Trek Voyager, because Next Generation ended in 94. It was off by a couple years? Yeah, I think, I want to say Voyager was like 97. Uh, 95, so it was oh, the okay. year afterwards. All right. So there was almost a crossover of all three. So they started, I think, because um, uh, Deep Space Nine started around like 92 or 93. Um, and the great character, Miles O'Brien, who was a side character who, who started showing up in like season two of Next Generation, becomes a main character in Deep Space Nine. Yep. And everyone loves Miles O'Brien. Everyone loves him. The wife, eh, she can get annoying, but, you know, she has her place there, too, in the show. But, um, yeah, gr- great. So I get disappointed when I hear about the Picard show, because everyone says it's not like how it used to be. It's, it's totally, it's like more the new movie style. It's mm-hmm. like, I want a show like Next Generation back. I want a show like Deep Space Nine. I, uh, I, I want a show like that again. I haven't watched, uh, I haven't watched um, any of the Picard show, and I haven't watched any of the other one. What was it, Discovery? Yeah, I just heard they're more flashy, like the new movie style. I'm like, I want my, the old style. I, I like, I respect, like, I have friends whose opinions I respect who are uh, Star Trek fans, and I've heard some people love it, some people really don't like it. Um, but my dad, who I, who's, I mean, he's who got me into Star Trek in any way, shape, or form. Um, he loves it, so I, I feel like I should probably watch it at some point. I probably, time. but he point. he said it's it's it, it's to him it's kind of you know as good as it's ever been. But I'll see. I just heard some weird things about how uh, how Picard acts in it. And... No, not Picard. 
Discovery. Oh, Discovery. Oh. Yeah, Discovery. My dad hasn't watched the new Picard okay, series for Discovery, I, for Discovery, I heard that season two is a lot better than season one, that they kind of corrected some of the weird stuff in season Knowing one. how my dad can binge TV, he probably got through season one pretty quick and into season two, so I, I would guess that his, uh, his opinion's colored by season two more than anything. But they did announce Strange New Worlds, uh, which is going to be old-style Trek, uh, basically Commander Pike, so the, the, the Enterprise before Captain Kirk, and... Um, they, they, they straight out said this is going to be more old fashioned where it's going to be like standalone episodes because Picard is like a whole like one big story mm-hmm. that, that flesh that... how do we talk about Star Trek so much I don't, I don't know. know let's I, move on but I want to talk about Star Trek for so long uh, that's what I want to talk about uh, there um, Paper Mario Origami yeah Paper, came out. Paper Mario looks... the Origami King was yeah. announced uh, it looks cute looks cute uh I, there was supposed there was rumors going around that the next one was supposed to be a return to form. It does not look like uh, it's really going back to the original Paper Mario or Thousand Year Door style battle system. Um, looks to be a little bit more like the more recent ones, but it looks great. Uh, I will probably wait for reviews on this. I really liked the first two Paper Mario games. I definitely want something that that's more of a um, an RPG. Uh, it's well. This was like it has action sequence in it, in it too. Yeah, it, like it, it's got RPG stuff too and action stuff. So it's an action RPG. Yeah. No, I mean there's turn. It looks like there's turn based battles in it as well. Yeah, so it's like an action RPG kind of. So it works in a little bit of both. Okay, um, it looks good. I, they dropped the announcement out of nowhere. Um, Nintendo's like they're, they're starting to do this. I like it. <laughs> well, and I, I mean, they haven't done. So they said that there isn't going to be, um, you know, direct for a while. Um, but this is, you know, they dropped this announcement and it literally comes out, what, July 17th? July 17th, so it's like two months away. That's incredibly close. Um, so I wonder if with the current uh, health crisis, um, if they didn't want to do a direct and announce things that maybe could get screwed up uh, scheduling-wise and instead are just announcing things as they're almost ready to come out. Who knows? I mean, who knows what it is, but I mean, we're still getting games. So it gets you, I mean, it gets you pumped for a single release that everyone's probably going to buy and talk about like with Animal Crossing. Um, Yeah. I like, I don't like, I said before, this is, I love that they're doing this. Like, oh, it's, it's almost done. It's coming out. I love how someone, someone said it looks like a David Lynch film, this trailer. And I don't totally disagree. Like there's some trippy imagery in this trailer. This looks like they, they, went off they said we're gonna we're gonna do something a little more artsy and fun which is what paper mario is known for right i was that, gonna say if you played yeah. any paper mario does, games, there was nothing honestly in the trailer that that surprised me just because this is how the paper mario games generally play this one looks like it's leaning a lot on the paper puns and stuff like that i love that there's like multiple shots of the there's the ninjas on the ceiling it's just a cool look it's like there's cinematic looking shots mm-hmm. in this trailer that's the best way i can describe it here there's that little st- string monster that's like weirdly dancing at like 144 in and like that doesn't look like a like a typical like nintendo first party game just some of the there's just a lot of weird stuff here right so yeah i have a little experience with these games where i've seen norm play them on twitch a little bit that's about it um but i love i love the, the paper art style of the origami stuff i love the fact that we have a you know we have a, a you know a, a, a villain that we have to learn about so yeah, they they look fantastic. These games always look yeah. excellent. So it's, it's it's adorable. There's like little mini games that looks like yeah, it's adorable. 
You wanted to talk about your game of the year, Clubhouse Games? Yes, game of the year. Game of the year, Clubhouse Games, uh, 51 Worldwide Classics. So what was funny about this is that they put out another trailer that's five, it's almost six minutes long. So so it goes into a little more detail. And they say at the beginning of the trailer, uh, or it's not really a trailer, the the video's like, oh, we're going to explain the games to you. And they do explain some of the games to you, like in like 15, 20 seconds, like like hounds and hares. Like, you, know, you, you, have, you have, you know, three hounds to trap the one hare. Okay, it makes sense. Right. Um, what was it? Like, the Mancala explains what the game is and some of the history. Then they skip over some of those. It's like they got tired of it. Um, they'll, they'll skip. Oh, like Chinese checkers. They explain that. Oh, it actually didn't come from China. It came from uh, England. I didn't know that. Okay. That's cool. And I love Chinese checkers. Um, and then some, it just skips over. But that, but yes, it's clear that like four in a row is Connect Four. It's clear that they have their own version of Uno. It's clear as day it's Uno. Right. Um, they skipped. What was the one they skipped? Over I thought was funny. They skipped over. They started skipping over when they got to um, whatever their uh, Renegade, which is basically a fell. That's when they just skipped. They said it's Renegade. <laughs> they move but on. Why would you call that Renegade? That doesn't make any sense. I guess they don't want to use the... Was it, is reverse the generic? Yeah, reverse is the generic term. It's, Renegade, what... I mean, what, Nintendo, what... Nothing about the game sounds like... Nintendo does their own thing. They, they buy by their own rules. Clubhouse <laughs> Games isn't made by Nintendo, though. Well, they're pushing it. I mean, they're... They're, uh, they're publishing it, aren't they? Maybe they are. But still, they wouldn't... Yeah, developer's agenda, it. but yeah, they're being the publisher here. Yeah, you got yeah, you have Mario uh, on the backs of the playing cards for some of this stuff. Did, um, do you know that Othello was the first game I downloaded for my Nintendo Switch when I got it? The first game was I... Was it actually Othello or Reverse? Yeah, no, actually Othello. The first game I bought for my Nintendo Switch and played was Othello. I fucking love Othello, and I'm bad at it. You're bad at it? Well, let me put it this way. Against actual players, I'm really fairly decent... But um, it's it's interesting if you read up on like AI and uh, for like board games and stuff. Othello is um, it's actually very very hard to make an AI that is stupid in Othello. Yes. Either either the AI because of how Othello is played, either the AI is generally like spot on and insanely difficult, or it would literally just be making random moves and hoping for the best. It's very hard to get something in between like with sure. chess or something like that you can slowly ratchet up the difficulty by the time you get to even like if, if it's out of like 10 by the time you get to like three or four in a like a reversey game you may as well be oh. playing on 10 i mean i mean spots kind of based upon that you know the spot game for nes and even that i remember playing it even yeah on low difficulty i, I don't remember beating the computer easily on uh, playing that uh, spot game. Yacht dice is Yahtzee. We know that. It's funny how they try to they explain it. It's like, it's a dice poker game. That's how they try to explain it. And it's like, yeah, kind of. Because you can have a straight and you have, you know, three or four of a kind. Um, so basically there's there's board games and they have the card games um, where they show last card, which is Uno. <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to call it? Sure. Because um, I'm sure there's an Uno game available and they're, and they're, they're eating their lunch with this clubhouse games. Uh, tie, uh, there's War. Then they go into the toy tennis stuff, and then they go into the darts and the, the bowling, which is using motion controls. So there you go. You got your you got your little wee bowling kind of uh, air hockey variety games, which is you, you literally you get you get your shooting gallery, which is, is it's literally looks just like the Wii Play shooting gallery. It, it, it is that. Um, then you get the little tank game, slot cards. Then you get into the just the, the little things that they're featuring that's interesting, like with the slot card game, you can line up uh, four different uh, switch uh, you know tiles and make your own course going that's around awesome. all four that's cool and then uh, discovery that 
for a lot of these games, you you can play up to four people with one game. So if I bring over my Switch Lite, you have your Switch, a couple of people, then one game we can play local, local uh, fun games together. Local fun games. Uh, there. Uh, you know, it's never done before. And then, and then talking about you choose up to three games to match with other people, then you play that. And uh, there's also a little trivia involved telling you about the game. Uh, the games and there's also a game there's also a little cute little thing where it, it's like okay um, a little tutorial it's like I want uh, you ask basically the computer what type of game to play or the, the, and then it recommends games based upon your mood which hmm. is like a weird thing so it's like I like the kind of games you can just pick up and play using touch controls and then it'll throw out the choices for you so anyway not to make too so much filtering of it. options yeah but it, it's it's poking you mm-hmm. basically you're, or you're poking it to, to, to recommend games so anyway, I'm gonna get this for sure. I mean, I'm gonna play this for sure. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll uh, get it. And it's one of those things where I'll probably. It, 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 I think that one makes sense probably to get digitally because you can just fire it up whenever. Oh uh, sure, I, I think but, that's a, a good idea. We can get we can get our, our renegade or Texas Hold'em or chess game going. We can pick the three and we can that's manage right. that. <laughs> Speaking of family fun, um, Jay Allard uh, joined the Intellivision team. Jay Allard is. Um, well known for being one of the uh, original uh, people who uh, worked on the Xbox, the original Xbox, the co-founder. Um, he had a press conference. The photo will always stick out in my mind of him wearing a hoodie with a blazer over it, like a, a jacket coat. Oh, really? Over it? <laughs> yes. You went. You went for. You went for comfort. Um, got nothing bad to say about Jay Allard. Don't really have much more to say about the Amico, but much like um, a lot of these things. I don't know what it really means besides, you know, it gets your name in the paper, gets your name right. out there, gets your name in the paper, paycheck. And, uh, you know, much like I think Reggie, um, you know, took the job with GameStop and is going to collect himself a paycheck and move on. Uh, that will probably happen here, too. Yeah. See, the, the issue is when you when you hire someone like this so late in the process, the, you know, the, the specs, the specs of, of the Miko. It's locked up. They're going into production to get this out. If this is going to come out in October, they have to go produce this now. This has to be in production, yeah. like right now. <laughs> so the strat- the marketing strategy is done because you have your games in development, which is part of your marketing strategy, uh, for the most part. You, you, they're tied together. Uh, you know your software and your marketing strategy. Um, the controllers are unfortunately finished, and you can't go backwards on those controllers, right. which are which are bad. Um, so this would been would have been the guy to hire two and a half three years ago before you unveiled the plan and what it was going to look like. Now, in this point in time, is it an advantage to get someone that's been in the industry for this amount of time? It absolutely is. But as we talked about last week with, with the Quibi, when you have a $1.8 billion company that's on the verge of disaster being run by people with a lot of experience with successful things like Jeffrey Kattensburg, uh, who used to freaking run Disney yeah, and, and uh, help get DreamWorks going, um, Meg Whitman was a CEO of Hewlett-Packard, it doesn't matter who you hire to work for your company if your product is problematic. But I think people forget, and like I said, this is this is not directed at Jay Allard or anyone like that, but um, these things are... These things that succeed, they... Yes, there is one name. There are always a couple of names that you can point to, but it's a team effort. Not one of these people is sitting there making all of this happen themselves. And I don't think any of those people would tell you that they're the only people who made it. So being excited and constantly being like, we've got this person from this team or this person from this team, it doesn't really mean anything. 
No, I'm sure that Quibi has the best and brightest working for them. They probably recruited from Netflix and Hulu and other streaming services the best they could. And it doesn't matter if you have a bad idea. Right. To the begin. smartest people on the planet cannot fix a bad idea that there is no market for. And like I said, if you were f- starting with these people three years ago to create and figure out the market, because let's let's put it this way. If you weren't uh, locked into the idea, if it was part of a creative process, if this was your team, yeah. if this was your brainstorm team, yes. then, then that would be something to be perhaps far yes. more excited the, about. Yeah, the path is set at this point. But, you know, paying money to bring on a name that you know was a and once again no offense that you know a lot of people remember from the original xbox we're talking early 2000s yeah and then for every person that that, what's their input i mean unless unless you're gonna let unless you're gonna put it off by a year and just let them anyways i don't really want to talk about this anymore but yeah well that's 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 what i have because you know phil spencer even said hey good luck to you i I, you know you have a vision there and it's like you get you get your name out there it hopefully it's worth the salary and whatever compensation for this person to come on board because it's a short blip at this point in time. Uh, if if the, the teams mattered, again, you would not have had the spectacular failures we have had for products that have come out in the past 20 years from smart people working on things and then they just fall flat in their faces. You know, Smart people you know, were, were working on lots of ideas that went defunct. I mean, that's it's just the way it works. You know, it, it is what it is. That's what business is. You have a good product or you don't. And, the, and when people look at the product on your shelf, they don't give a shit about who works on it behind the scene. They just want to say, oh, is that worth my, do- my, my dollars in my, my pocket? And that's it. All right. And I, I think that's a lot people don't realize. Um, they're not going to look at the Amico and go, oh, Jay Ellard or oh, Tommy Tallarico, I'm going to buy this. No, they're going to decide, well, is this worth $250? Well, for the pre-orders, that's sure. what some people have done. But, that's but I mean in general. No. I mean, I mean, I mean no. at, 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 at retail. No. That's not going to sell at retail. The retail the retail audience is different than this, this pre order audience, as we've known, uh, as as it's been established there. So you know it is it is what it is, um, and, and we'll, we'll see what happens in in, in five months there. Uh, spe- speaking of uh, of nostalgia, Ian, uh, Chuck E. Cheese was in the news a little bit <laughs> recently, which I thought was funny. Yeah, so Chuck E. Cheese was in. Uh, I saw it coming up online yesterday um, because. Uh, Chuck E. Cheese is now apparently well. Chuck E. Cheese apparently uh, has a Grubhub. Uh, I think it's Grubhub presence, maybe DoorDash. One of those delivery um, has an identity. Uh, one of those delivery companies. They have a different identity on there called Pescales, uh, which is a name of one of their animatronic uh, animals, I guess. <laughs> and basically, they uh, pretend to just be a regular old pizzeria that you can order food from. Uh, this came up in the news yesterday. Uh, also, uh, Hooters does it as uh, Hootie's, um, Hootie's uh, like neighborhood burger bar or something, and there's no picture of the owl or anything. That one's, the, the link is a little bit more obvious, but if you're just scrolling and you see a different logo, you might not think it. Sure. Uh, this was heavily criticized, and I understand why. I think it's hysterical. Um, it was heavily criticized yesterday um, when it came up because... Uh, lots of people are staying indoors. Lots of people want to um, support local restaurants, uh, and um, you know there was some concern that this would be taking uh, money from the local restaurants. Basically, uh, they're deceiving you. Uh, they're they're something that they are not. Uh, especially like the Hooties one neighborhood bar. Like like okay, you're really pulling on the the, the heartstrings. Um, 
that said, I don't think this is actually a new thing. Uh, it could be for hoodies, but uh, I was talking hoodies. last year um, <laughs> with uh, Eric from Retail Archaeology, uh, and I don't remember if it was when he was in town or what, but we were chatting about something, and I brought up the Chuck E. Cheese pizza, and I think he said, you know, it's not great, but it's not bad. And if I'm misremembering this, Eric can correct me, but I think he said, did you know that they also... That, that that they're that they're on like Grubhub or something, and he explained the basic idea to me. I think this news came out last year that Chuck E. Cheese, maybe not everywhere, but was doing this in certain markets, basically testing selling their pizza as a restaurant, as a delivery restaurant, as opposed to just being in in store. So this it's, is it's very weird. This is the Business Insider. Uh, I put the link here, Business Insider, so you see. It. I think this is the funniest thing um, because if you order this by accident, I just think it's funny. Yeah, I've seen this. Um, Pasquale, is that what it is? Pasquale's Pizza and Wings is the name of it. Named after another favorite member of Munch's make-believe band, shares kitchen space with the Chuck E. Cheese restaurant. A Chuck E. Cheese spokesperson told Business Insider. A Reddit user was surprised to discover that the pizza she ordered from Pasquale's Pizza, which he thought was a local pizzeria, actually came from Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, my God. So, the spokesperson told Business Insider that Pasquale's Pizza is a new delivery-only premium, premium pizza brand operating from Chuck E. Cheese Kitchens. Okay. I had Chuck E. Cheese two years ago uh, at a party for, for a couple of youngsters there that I was at. Which makes me sound like I'm Al Bundy for that, from that episode where he keeps uh, going to children's birthday parties to get free Pascal pizza. is the name uh, of the chef, by the way. Not not a band member. There's there's a lore chef in there's Chuck a chef? E. Cheese. Yes, and his name is Pascal. He's the guy, he's the animal making yes. the pizza. So this one I want to say about Chuck E. Cheese pizza. It's not terrible for like you know, a party pizza. I've had worse pizza than Chuck E. Cheese pizza. Little Caesar's hot and ready pizza is a worse pizza than Chuck E. Cheese pizza. I will go on record and, and, and say that right now. Sure. I will say that. And I'm confident because when, when I had the Chuck E. Cheese pizza, I was like, you know what? I'm going to have a couple more slices. It, you know, <laughs> I, it wasn't bad. You know, I'm not saying they have all the toppings available. They, I think they had, they, had, they had pepperoni. Obviously, they had plain. They, I think they made a veggie. Sure. Yeah, there was. You're not gonna get your variety. You're not gonna get like your eggplant and meatball Long Island pizza that we had last year. God, no, my mouth was watering. Intermittent fasting, but you know, it's 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 a decent pizza. I, I want to see the prices. I want to now almost try this for a lark. I'm sure some people will would as well. And how else is Chuck E. Cheese gonna make business? You know, that's like the last thing that's gonna open up is you know an arcade that everyone's putting their hands all over everything. You know, I'm sorry. I just want to read this small paragraph because it hurts my brain it's just all the things i hate just salad ceo nick kenner told business insider that health tribes sales have been more than doubled since the pandemic began i think virtual brands are a great thing for restaurants to be exploring right now what the virtual brands is something that makes me want to throw up what the fuck is just salad is that is that a home of the reusable bowl the fastest service in town 10 plus items under $10. What the hell? For- Just Salad is a chain of fast, casual restaurants that serve salads, wraps, smoothies, soups, grain, grain bowls, market plates, and toast boxes. Toast boxes! I will. I don't think I'll ever maybe step into a Just Salad. To- what the hell's a toast box? Now I'm going down the road. I don't want to know. Can we please stay focused? Okay. <laughs> I don't want to know. Okay. 
All right, all right. So that that's it for that's uh, we're we're finding more weird weird, weird stories happening during the, the certain global we health are. crisis. Like it's 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 already spun out of control. 2020. We're not even halfway through this yet. Oh, just quickly, I forgot to mention it. Um, uh, speaking of weird things, uh, some things remain um, comfortably the same. Uh, yesterday was my first day back at work, and uh, someone not wearing any pants uh, ran through the parking lot, so that was great. Is, is that a Tales from tales the Game Store tidbit? Absolutely not. <laughs> Moving on! <laughs> Evo right. has had to change up significantly uh, this year um, because of uh, the certain health crisis. So at this point, I think everyone knows Evo is basically the biggest um, video game tournament or uh, fighting game tournament. They do usually uh, in Vegas. They do two. I was going to say there's two Evos a year that I know of. There's the Evo in Vegas. That's the big one. And then there's also a, a an Evo Japan that's been taking off. Okay, so I, do, I usually watch a little bit of the of, they do the, too. of the Vegas one every year. I catch I, it. I love watching. Yeah, I love watching them. Um, I don't watch a lot of competitive gaming, but fighting games it's easy to watch. It's easy to you get understand into. what's happening. Even if you can't play fighting games, you absolutely know what's going on because yes. it mimics a fight. Yes, like, you can actually watch it. It's exciting. Not way too much going on like these other games where you have no idea what's happening. It's a lot of fun, and even it even took me a while to get into it. But you know, probably about a a decade ago I was like you know what this is actually a lot of fun to watch I really enjoy it so this is kind of a an interesting story so Evo um, has to move online so what that brings up is the problem in fighting games of netcode so there are not tournaments this year for the main roster Dragon Ball Fighters <clears throat> Dragon Ball Fighters Grand Blue Fantasy Versus Samurai Showdown Soul Calibur 6 Street Fighter V, Champion Edition, Tekken 7, and Undernight Birth Late CLR. Um, those were supposed to be the main stage games, along with Super Smash Bros. Um, Ultimate, which I'll, I'll get to in a second. Problematically, none of those games use good netcode. None of them. Not a not a freaking one of them has, really? has, has, has really reliable netcode. Not even Street Fighter? Nope. Not at all. <laughs> uh, they don't. None of them have it. <laughs> what? So, so there's a thing. There's two basic types of of fighting game netcode. Okay. Okay. There's delay based netcode and rollback netcode. Delay based netcode is, me, is bad. Oh, hold on. Delay based netcode is bad. Rollback netcode is very very good. It takes a bit more effort to implement rollback netcode. Is it like time travel where it sees where the inputs are? Then So here's the deal. It? I tried to read up on rollback netcode last night so I could come in here today and give everyone the skinny on rollback netcode. Let me hear it. No, here's the thing. It's fucking over my head. Really? And so here's basically okay. how rollback netcode works. It sounds like time travel a little bit. It is. Basically what happens is there is a little bit of time travel going on. If There's like a buffer? If person A inputs something person B input something. Let's say person A, or let's just say person well, well, person B inputs uh, a heavy attack. Okay? Okay. If there is a spike or a problem with the network trans, uh, the network, like if, there's a, if something happens, the game will continue to assume that that's the input and will just go ahead and do it. Basically, it's predictive. If it turns out, say, on the other end, this is trying to use an example from a, a good article I was reading. It turns out that the person was mashing buttons after they put in the heavy. In one frame, in one single frame, it will 
roll back and readjust. So what happens is you don't lose any inputs. Like the per- either person, they don't lose any inputs. And everything is adjust when it's put in. Right. And it happens so quickly that you don't notice it. Sure. As opposed to waiting for everything to kind of like if there's a network spike, as opposed to waiting for all that data to finally come together. Yes. It will use its its best. It'll it'll, it'll, it'll use its best estimation. Let let me talk about this. Uh, I went to it's it's, it's called GGPO. Yes. GGPO. Short for good game. game, peace Peace out. Yes. Okay. GGPO uses a netcode technique called rollback. Rather than waiting for input to be received from other players before simulating the next frame, GGPO predicts the inputs they will send and simulates the next frame without delay using that assumption. When other players' inputs arrive, if any input didn't match the prediction, GGPO rolls back the state of the game to that last correct state, then replays all players' revised inputs back until the current frame. The hope is that the predictions will be correct most of the time, allowing smooth play with minimal sudden changes to the game state. The system in itself is highly similar to client-side prediction, but applied to a peer-to-peer setup. The client program can allow players to manually adjust latency in high-ping situations, either creating a possibly jerky yet accurate representation or a smoother game with input delay. So the jerk, yeah. So that that that's it. it it's it, it the way it's described. You it makes it seem like you're going to see all this happening and it's going to be a mess, but it happens so quick. Yeah, it's like it's probably a hundredth of a second or whatever it is. A so of a second. it works really well. I've played games with um, using rollback netcode, and I've played obviously tons of games that don't use it. And even with a bad connection, like it says, you might get something that looks a little jerky here and there, but it's very quick and everything. It it, it works because it's it's respecting your inputs. Yeah, and, and it knows that ninety percent of the time. It's going to match what you are without rolling back or whatever it is because it knows what's coming up, basically. So this leads to two interesting things that I want to talk about. One, Smash Brothers has, like, the worst netcode of fucking all the games. Like, it's just miserable. Nintendo said we don't care. I mean, it's playable, (laughs) but it's absolutely nothing that you would want to use in a a, uh, competitive setting. So... Dragon Ball Fighters, Grand Blue, Sam Show, Soul Calibur, Street Fighter V, Tekken 7, Undernight Inbirth are still going to be featured uh, during Online Evo, which is taking place over five weekends in July. They're all going to be featured, but they're all going to be like exhibition matches and content like that. They're not doing a tournament. So you're going to see them, but you're just not going to have... They're not going to count for anything. Right, exactly. And I understand why. You don't want any asterisks. It's going to be like Apollo Creed versus uh, Ivan Drago in Rocky IV. You would not want the, the asterisks. So someone got killed. However, they're not even bothering with with Smash, and the only reason I can assume that that's the case is because Smash's netcode is awful. Um, I just don't imagine there being any real way it 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 would be workable. Um, you know, the, these other ones with hardwired connections, they can probably hope for at least a, a best case scenario. Yeah. So okay, so open tournaments will be featured for Killer Instinct, Mortal Kombat 11. I, I'm going to get to this. Okay. So right, but there are going to be tournaments: Killer Instinct, MK11. Skullgirl Second Encore, and here's the fun one that I want to talk about them's a little bit. Fighting herds? Them's Fighting what Herds. What the hell is this? Game? Well, let me tell you what Them's Fighting Herds is, because I didn't know about it until three days ago, and now I'm a big fan. So, what the fuck don't say this? anything. Okay, I'm going to watch the trailer. <laughs> it's good. Apparently, there was a... Uh, apparently, there was a um, My Little Pony fan game, fighting game, in okay. the works in 2012. Uh, they got a cease and desist from Hasbro. And rightfully so, looking at this, yes. Well, no, from Hasbro. <laughs> what 
from Hasbro. Uh, because it was actually going to be My Little Pony. It was the My Little Pony characters. Okay. I don't know if they contacted her or if she contacted them. But basically afterwards, um, uh, uh, Lauren Faust, the uh, creator of like the modern My Little Pony okay. and the character designer, made six new characters for the fight for this team that are completely unrelated to My Little Pony. So Hasbro sent them the cease and desist, but they got the creator from My Little Pony to, to actually design the new characters. So it looks like it's the same style, it, but it's different it, it, animals. It looks there's, like My Little Pony. They're all females, they're all ungulates, but there's a llama. Or there's, there's an alpaca. A, there's a deer. There's a deer. There's a little cow. What'd you say? What's an ungulate? Uh, uh, I think it's the Oof, hooved, 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 okay. hooved animals. Oh, a new word I learned. Um, so, so, yeah, this, this so anyways, it, used, it, it it's running. It's not, it's not the same game. It's not using like the same um, mechanics, but it's running on the Skullgirls second Encore engine. Skullgirls uses rollback netcode and gotcha. is known for having high-quality online play. Gotcha. So, Them's Fighting Herds, which just got its <laughs> official release after being... Uh, in uh, it was in uh, early access since 2018. It actually what a great so it name. just the final the, the the initial release version just came out on April 20th, and it now has a uh, like it's now center stage. It's getting an Evo this online is huge tournament for this game now. This, it is yeah, this is huge. It's 15 bucks. I went and bought it. It has a the first chapter of a story mode done. Six characters. It's there is a, there is it looks like a horse and a unicorn. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a there, there's it's. How should I put it? It's a it's it's light on the content right now. You know, most of the characters have I think two uh, two specials, uh, one super, um, but everything is incredibly fluid and the everything plays great. very well. The animation's fantastic, and it reminds me a lot of um, the early uh, Capcom oh. games before tagging. The alpaca's name is Paprika, by the way. Um, for instance, I mean, you input the like your basic combo is the exact same it is in uh, like the early. Um, Marvel crossover games like X-Men Children of the Atom and stuff like that, X-Men vs. Street Fighter, the ABC launcher, and then you can jump up into okay. the air and do the air combo. Sure. So if you've ever played any of those, and I have, not that I was yeah. ever good at them, I, I was able to get into it really easy sure. and, and have a lot of fun with it. And the story mode, um, really, like, try the story mode and the tutorial mode are among the best I've played. They really try to um, teach you, like, the mechanics of fighting games. So you have these, it's funny, but you have, you have these two... Well, this game is no one knows this really this game yet. These games have the good the good net code to play, but fucking Tekken and Soul Calibur and Samurai Shodan don't. That right, did, and it's crazy because uh, Killer Instinct, Mortal Kombat, Skullgirls, and Them's Fighting Herds uh, weren't scheduled to be part of Evo. As a matter of fact, there were some people who were kind of upset that Mortal Kombat 11 wasn't coming back because it was part oh. of Evo last year. This year, it wasn't supposed to be part of Evo, and now all of a sudden, it's one of the only games that's actually getting a tournament. This is because insane. The, simply it's... because of the quality of the netcode. Something that a lot of you know developers, and, and you know, somewhat rightfully so, they assume that you know the competitions are going to be done up close. But that doesn't mean you can just throw bullshit netcode in there. Especially if you want people to learn your game and practice your game, you want your matches online to be as good as possible. So these games that you know, weren't going to get any sort of retention this year are suddenly getting a lot of attention because uh, I, they're just, they're, they're well-made on the back end. Bandai Namco, Capcom, SNK should be ashamed of themselves for letting something like this at this point. Obviously, they didn't realize something like this would happen, but your lunch is being eaten by these smaller games. 
Like, it's just insane that they would not adopt this. I guess if it's really that hard, but then these other... It's, it's, Skullgirls has it, and then Fighting's Herd has it. Well, I believe and, the uh, guy who came up with Rollback Nap Code, uh, if I'm wrong with the name, I'm going to feel so bad. I think it's Mike Zymont. It's in the Wikipedia. I think it's Mike Zymont. It's, it's one of the Lab Zero guys, and for whatever reason, his name co- jumps into my head. I think he's one of the guys who basically kind of created... Uh-huh. Rollback netcode. GGPO? So, uh, GGPO and rollback <laughs> netcode in general. And I, that, that's why Skullgirls runs so well. Fucking license it or, or come up with your own version. Do something. This, this is insane. Maybe now this will maybe force them to be, oh, we can't do well, this again. Well, I, I, think, I think all the next generation of fighting games are going to have it because players have been very vocal. Um, when, Guilt, when Guilty Gear Strive was announced, um, Guilty Gear is like one of my favorite fighting game series. When Strive was announced, which isn't out yet, uh, it was announced without having rollback netcode, and people went fucking nuts. They were like, how can you not implement it? And they actually were like, okay, okay, we'll implement well, the rollback netcode. So it's, I, I would imagine that most fighting games coming out, hopefully... Well, well Grand Blue Chess came well, out, look, and that no, doesn't have it. I'm looking at this... According to the Wikipedia, GGPO was on Marvel vs. Capcom 2, which came out Age of, New Age of Heroes came out 2009. Yeah, because it was, because it was the re-release. The uh, It was the... Uh, it was the Xbox Live version. So Street Fighter Three Online had it. Yes, a lot of these online ones have had the GGPO added to them. Why wouldn't they think it could be important enough to put it into these newer releases? Doesn't I don't make know. Any sense? They're dumb. So is it that much more money? Street Fighter X Tekken had it, and no one I think played that game. Right. Um, so the third anniversary just came out a couple of years ago. Has it? Yep. So I don't understand. Like, I think the- it depends on who's actually doing. It. Capcom. Capcom made Street Fighter Five. I think like Code Mystics did the updates for uh, did the uh, online versions, and there's actually if you search rollback netcode, one of the explanation videos is from Co- Code Mystics. So it's okay. like these are Capcom games, sure, but Capcom isn't actually people who care more about the online netcode are doing the ports. If that gotcha. makes well, sense, Marvel's Capcom in- uh, Infinite has game has rollback networking. It looks like there's a difference between rollback r- netcode. Well, it says rollback networking. I would imagine that's the same, but that but there's that's a little bit different than the GGPO. It looks like there's a, like a difference. I I'm think trying to figure GGPO it out. is just kind of a brand name for it. Rollback gotcha. netcode is rollback netcode. Okay, it's a, it's the Vaseline versus petroleum jelly. Yes, <laughs> I always love. Coming. I always I always I want one day I want to sit down and write down all those ones the generics that we use instead. There's there's tons of them. We just always forget yes. them until they come up. So okay. That being said, I'm excited for. Uh, Evo this year. It'll it'll be fun. It'll be nice to see some Skull Girls again. Um, I'm very excited to see this them's fighting herds and see how people play it. Um, and fighting game people are getting into it. Uh, one of the guys I uh, actually no, I can't remember who it was. Someone I follow who's big in the fighting game scene though is like uh, basically when the game came um, the other day after it was announced was like was gonna take a break from fighting games. Downloaded uh, them's fighting herds to check it out. Seven hours later, here I am. <laughs> so. And then they're doing a Marvel vs. Capcom 2 special uh, tournament, uh, invitational tournament for the 20th anniversary. Right. And that has this built in, the the, uh, the, the GGPO, so that, that'll work great. Yes. Or, or has the generic. I believe one. they're using that version. So that's that's great, because uh, people love that game, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so I'll probably check out some of that. And I'll check I'll, I'll check out some of this Them Fighting Herds. Them, them's Fighting Herds. I'll check it out and see what's going on there. All right. Well, that was a... Interesting. And then, and of course, Nintendo doesn't give a shit because they're going to sell their games no matter what, yeah. basically. <laughs> I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, it doesn't really hurt them too much because it's not like Smash Brothers, people weren't going to buy it if, if they didn't really... Obviously, they bought it in, no matter what. But it, it's not like they really catered to the fighting 
community ever with their Smash Brothers games. No, the fact that um, it has become a competitive fighting game is impressive because Nintendo's never really given a shit about making it yeah, a competitive fighting game. Yeah, because once Melee got bigger and bigger, you know, post post GameCube, it's not like Nintendo's probably looking like, well, we're not making money off this, so who cares? It's not like we're, we're not making brand new sure. Smash Brothers GameCube games, so the fighting community is like totally separate from us. But then they, then they started doing a little tournament stuff on the side and catering. They realized that there was yeah, some money some, to be made there, but it's not, still not their it's main not focus. Their, it's not their bread and butter. It's, let's, it's, it's, let's, let's, let's put out a cute game called Animal Crossing and sell fucking 15 million units in like a month. Like that's, like, you know, that's, and then we'll put out Paper Mario and, and that'll be the hit for like a, a month and a half by itself. Like that's what Nintendo's become in this weird social media age. Uh, it, it's strange to see that happen, but it's good because it didn't happen during the Wii U era, that's for sure. No one gave a shit about most of the games released. Right. Ian, I got my first cell phone with one of those big wireless providers like 15 years ago. I've honestly hated my monthly bill ever since, but then I discovered there's another option that would give me the premium service I'm used to at a fraction of the cost. I could cut my wireless bill down to 15 bucks a month. 15? 15. Wow. And save hundreds of dollars by switching to Mint Mobile. For anyone out there who's looking to save without sacrificing service, switching to Mint Mobile is a no-brainer. For customers that hate their wireless bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. By going online only, eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile can pass those savings on to you, sir. Even me? Cut out the middleman. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text, plus crazy fast Zoom, 4G LTE. Use your own phone. With any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone along with all your existing contacts, you can go on their website and basically uh, look up your own phone. And it basically says, is this phone compatible? Can I use it? It's really, it's easy. I've done it. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their seven-day money-back guarantee. All right, to get your new wireless plan, let's go. Just 15 bucks a month. Get that plan shipped to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com slash podcast. That's mintmobile.com. Slash CU Podcast. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash CU Podcast. Let's get minty. All right, Ian. Yes. Speaking on this Nintendo centric uh, uh, podcast, uh, we, we had uh, Nintendo online game announcements come again, and they haven't been as regular as they were for the first like six to eight months where you got like, you know, a few Nintendo games a month. Then they started putting out some Super Nintendo stuff, um, and then it had been falling off. And it's been it's been like more periodic in terms of the releases. No, it's been it's been downright sporadic. Um, so um, the latest ones, though, is, is a good round of of uh, of, uh, of announcements. And I always think it's funny when people say, "Oh, they, they, you know, we got to get only these main games on here," or, or I, you know, I never heard of this. So the, the announcements that that are coming on May twentieth. Um, which brings a total to over 80 classic games. See, I, I haven't been keeping up with these. I haven't played these in a while. Uh, on the Super NES, you get Operation Logic Bomb, um, Panel de Pon, Panel de Pon, which is what Tetris Attack. Panel de Pon, it's Tetris Attack. It, it's it's the Japanese version. Wild Guns, which is four and a half stars I reviewed according to a certain Super Nintendo guidebook, and of course one of my personal favorites on the NES is Rygar, and it goes to show you that you know. It goes to show you two things. First of all, in the comments, people being so disappointed, uh, at least on social media, about these announcements, not knowing anything about games outside of like the popular ones. Right, because all I of think, these are good uh, uh, to a yeah. different degrees. Rygar, we talked about um, last week even. Uh, Wild Guns is... I made a, Yeah, I made a psychic prediction because I said Rygar is a game that some people can't stand, and I love it. Yeah, uh, and then wi- it gets announced. Yeah, Wild Guns is fantastic. Um, yeah. The only reason I'm, less, I'm not super excited about that is because I have the... Uh, 
the re-release that they did on the Switch, which is, you know, the same plus a little bit extra. Um, Panel de Pone, which is great. Uh, you know, I don't know if people just didn't realize what it was, but that's Tetris Attack. Uh, they just can't use the Tetris name anymore, so they're bringing they're using. The, oh, the, that's, that makes sense. Yeah, so they're bringing the Japanese version Gosh, over. That's but trademark. that's a game that's generally well loved. I enjoy it a lot. And then Operation Logic Bomb is the one that most people probably don't know about, and it has a silly name. But it's a sequel to a Game Boy game that I actually really like oh. uh, called Fortified Zone. Yeah, it's a terrible name because whenever I think of it, it sounds like like a puzzle game or right. something. Right, it, it's Bomb. absolutely not. But it's uh, basically. Um, it's a it's a sequel to uh, Fortified Zone, which, if I'm going to be very loose with it, is an overhead, almost like, Ze- not really, but it's, imagine going through, like, Zelda dungeons, but with guns and stuff. It's a run-and-gun shooter, That's like, a, self-contained. Yes, but, you know, generally, at least in uh, the Game Boy one, you, you the, the levels are mazes. You have to find gotcha. your way out. And stuff I always like, like games like that. They don't yeah. make a lot of them. I always like games like that. So, uh, it, it, it's fun. Um, and not saying it's like the world's greatest game, but it's not a bad game, and these are games people can have fun with. Sure. That said, I do understand the frustration with Nintendo not releasing more. They have the rights to tons of great shit. Sure. And we get these drops maybe twice a year yeah, at this point. Well, well, uh, out of this list, they only have the rights to one of these, right? Out of these four. Um, so they still got to pay up for, for this. Sure. But- Tecmo, te- they've gotten a lot of these good Tecmo uh, NES games. On, yeah, on, it's on obvious the they have some sort of working, yeah. working scenario. Yeah, Mighty Bomb with, Jack uh, was one of the first ones that came up. With Tecmo. Um, but the response is, I, I, uh, I, I got annoyed and replied to one. I usually don't reply to these people. I replied to one who said, like, all oh, these games are terrible. And I said, Rygar is a better game than you deserve. Um, then people like my response <laughs> that because it's like, come on, man, try these games out. Rygar, I don't want to, you know, re-review Rygar. Rygar was an early NES game that try to do something different in terms of having a somewhat open world. There wasn't really any games being done like that outside of Legend of Zelda uh, to that extent on the NES. And for the most part, it, it succeeds in doing a sort of open world in this weird mythological nutsy uh, monster world that works. The, the theme works for Rygar. The weapon, it absolutely does. The weapon, uh, the disc arm is so satisfying to use in that game. For a game that simple, with with the, with the sound and and sort of the force feedback you kind of get from this armor, it works. Yep, Rygar, it works well. Um, you have little minor RPG upgrades as well. You, uh, I will say this: it's not perfect. No, it's not perfect. It, again, it's a very early NES game. But to go from a straightforward arcade game, and Tecmo said, that's not good enough. We're going to do this entirely different concept, and we'll have these uh, overhead areas, too. Um, you Giving have to- you that bang for your buck. Yeah. And yes, it, it probably contributed to me getting Coke bottle glasses, because it <laughs> took like two and a half hours to get to that. And as a kid, I never beat that last freaking uh, the Liger at the end. I never freaking beat him. The, the lion head with like all the snakes and as a kid I was like I don't know am I just not hitting him enough you have to you had to upgrade your uh, was it your attack in order to really get him on there as a kid I, I never beat it I almost feel like go back and beat it now because it really is interesting um, and, and the sound design that game is excellent and the, and the soundtrack is underrated on Tecmo always has good soundtracks but the soundtrack is one of those sort of underrated un- yeah I would say Tecmo in general is kind of underrated when it comes to the yeah. soundtrack game they usually have some pretty good stuff absolutely so to see these whippersnappers out here not just disrespect that but okay it was actually one of the top comments it looks like because this guy said wow guys disappointment again no Super Mario RPG no DK 
Donkey Kong Country trilogy. Oh, that's that's rare. It's gonna be hard to get that. Yeah. No other RPGs on the Super Nintendo. No Earthbound. No not No nothing but crap. That's what set me off when I said Rygar is better than you deserve. There you go. And then other people say, hey, hey, don't call uh, panel Depone and Wild Guns crap. It's like, well, these aren't crappy games. This isn't people, filler. People would be fucking... Th- I think people would be a lot more thrilled about Wild Guns coming out if everyone probably didn't already own the version that just re-released. I think you're giving too much credit. I just think these are little whippersnappers that don't know any better or know anything about these games. No, they don't. I'm just saying um, Wild Guns in general would have been... A, I mean, that's an expensive fucking SNES game. Uh, up until recently, I you know, until that the more widely available version came out, I think that would have been really big. I mean, God, I, I understand that people like Donkey Kong Country. Is that the end-all, be-all for the Super Nintendo? Like, that's what you have to get on here no. in order to enjoy it? Seriously? I mean, I just don't understand that. Earthbound, I get. Yeah, Earthbound, people would flock to that and play that, you know, right away. Because um, there's, there's a cult following for that. I get that. Um, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to get some of those titles that are, you know, Rare has a relationship with Microsoft now. It's going to be hard to give that up easily. To Nintendo, they're not. It's not worth Nintendo probably paying the money out to get the license. It just isn't to them at this point. Anyway, that's all I got to say. There's still good games to be released. I even see people I, I love and respect. I always say like, oh, there's nothing left to come out in the NES. No, there's stuff to come out. It's just whether or not they're going to pay for some of these esoteric titles that not many people are going to care about. Because right. Rygar's not even that esoteric in the NES library. It was a popular game at the time, and people are still shitting on it. So imagine them tr- getting, you know, if they, if they get fucking Power Blade, people would shit on that when it's a good game. You know right. what I mean? Like, it's diminishing returns. Because you, you have, like, a 22-year-old audience that never heard of these games. They're not going to appreciate it. Even the Super Nintendo games, they're obviously not appreciating. We're old men at this point. I mean, God. I mean, if they ever did it, even N64, they'd probably say, I don't want that. It's too, it's too, it's too, uh, it's too old. Moving so. on. Ian. Yes. Nintendo's going after some <laughs> hackers. Mm-hmm. They're going after uh, Pixie Cut Angelina Jolie uh, here. Tenno files lawsuits and crackdown against Switch hackers. Two new lawsuits were filed on Friday, uh, the past Friday, which would have been the 15th. Nintendo America has filed two lawsuits on Friday against Nintendo Switch hack, hack resellers that sell software to play pirated games according to court documents obtained by Polygon. First lawsuit was filed in Friday in Ohio court against Tom Diltz Jr., the alleged operator of the website Uber Chips. That's a funny name for a website. The second lawsuit was filed in Seattle court the same day against a number of a number of anonymous defendants from a selection of websites. All defendants reportedly sell products from a group of anonymous hackers called Team Executor. Tenno's lawyers uh, described the products as an authorized operating system and accompanying piracy tools that install it. Okay, these these products get you around the the, the protection measures. Uh, to prevent uh, unauthorized access and copying. Once it's disabled, players can download the unauthorized operating system and play pirated video games. Okay, so this happens every so often. It, ha- it seems to happen. It happened with the, uh, with the DS and 3DS, mm-hmm. where Nintendo goes after the, the people that make the um, um, what was it? Like, what, was, what was the big pop on the DS? The R4 or whatever it was. The R4, yeah. Um, where you, you you know you load up your ROMs on a little memory, whether it's compact flash or, or, or regular memory, you put it in and you get your operating system. Um, so this isn't surprising. I, I'm not even aware of this being a thing on the Switch. Obviously, I'm behind the times well, on we've this. We've talked about it, have we? We've talked about Switch hacking. Uh, okay, I don't remember to this extent. Uberchips.com is the website still up? Uh, it's always good when when it, you get a, you get a. Um, a message saying this site might not be uh, protected when you go to it. So it's an unsafe site going to uberchips.com. All right, now, I'm not, I don't know if that's Nintendo's doing or not. 
Uh, it says, at the time of this writing, the Uber Chips website appears to be offline under scheduled maintenance. Other websites listed in the second lawsuit are still operating. A kit used to, to, for hacking the Switch is listed at $48. It also sells products for the Super Nintendo Classic, PlayStation Mini, 3DS, and Game Boy Advance. Nintendo is seeking $2,500 per trafficking violation in each of these cases, as well as a permanent injunction to stop operations of these websites. That means basically uh, per, per traffic violation would be per sale, I believe. So yes. that means if you sold 100 of these, they're coming after you for Patman for 250 grand. Right. They're coming after you. So this they is going to... probably put, sold more than 100. That's the point. Like these, this is to put these people under into bankruptcy. They're, you know, that's what they're doing here. Um, so, you know, it's not surprising Nintendo would do this. Um, I, I just, uh, you know, th- this stuff becomes more public now when you see, the, when you see this happening. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't really have much to add other than what I usually say in these sorts of situations, and that is, I have no I, no real problem with people hacking and fucking around with this stuff. Um, it's always going to exist. It's when you start trying to sell this stuff for money that that's when they're obviously going to come after you. Yeah. When you're profiting off of that sort of thing. Openly. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's a level of... Um, uh, Hubris, a bragged, braggadocio, braggadocio, uh, cojones, cojones, eggs. Yeah, I don't understand. You got those almonds. By the um, way, my Uber Chips Facebook page is also down, so they're taking this obviously seriously. They're 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 praying for mercy, which Nintendo will show very little. Obviously, they're making an example out of it. Why would you think that this is um, something that you could do online and get? I, like, that's the thing that that further confuses me. Like, well, we're going to do it, and this time we're not going to get in trouble. Like, it's fucking dumb. There's probably been other sites I've gotten away for, for for a while, but there are also probably ones you know based in like Eastern Europe or somewhere sure. or, or China where the jurisdiction doesn't carry over as easily. You know, some com- com- countries we don't have good agreements with in terms of copyright and patent ripoffs and things like that. Um, but yeah, if you're operating in the U.S., oh boy, Nintendo's going to come after you. Um, yeah, I don't remember this happening. What was that big one back in the day? It was like it was. Sorry, I, I, well, I forget if it was this site or this was a form. I don't want to call out a website that's not doing it. Um, I forget, but I, uh, there there has always been sites that existed where you can find, uh, you know, 10, 15 years old, you'd find some of this stuff. Uh, and, and maybe back then, it, Nintendo, I don't know. I, I don't remember. I wasn't keeping keeping up with Nintendo's sort of legal issues with these sites 10, 15 years yeah. ago. They probably did it. We just didn't hear about it. Sure. They probably went after them. But, you know, you can probably still buy some of the older uh, Flash devices here and there. I would say this on Nintendo. Why aren't you going after all the NES devices, uh, the NES Classics and Super Nintendo Classics being hawked on eBay that are hacked? Why don't you do that and, and, and cut out that market at its knees and, and then have and, and go after that? My so- guess is because the NES Classic is not making the money anymore. The, the, yeah, the Switch is. But in theory, it's still hurting your, your sales and, and people want to get the NES online. So you're, This is where I'm going to have to make the argument that it's only hurting their sales if they actually make this shit available elsewhere. And there's stuff that isn't. I mean, I... So you don't see the Nintendo saying, well, if it's a hacked NES Classic, we already sold it to someone, the NES Classic originally, it's not hurting us as much of them hacking it after the fact. Versus yeah, I think it's just a matter games. of they have to figure out their priorities and I would okay. definitely assume the Switch is their priority well, not a plug and play but, I mean as nice as it was it's a plug and play toy but it's the same thing as going after a ROM site you're providing ROMs I and just at that think point they're selling them I'm not saying I necessarily agree with it but I honestly think Nintendo looks at it and goes that's a toy it's small potatoes why am I why, yeah why would we care they, they can't proliferate and create you're not okay. You're not cutting into direct sales of a, a product we're currently offering anymore. It's also a yeah. limited stock. There's only so many of those around. Sure. 
I mean, it's not like a, a ROM site where, you know, that exists You, you can go to, a million, you go to a right. millions, millions of people. I, I get that. I just think it's interesting, uh, you know, what, what they're doing here. So I wonder how... I don't know how it works when you, when you, when you have an anonymous... Um, Laws against anonymous people. I guess that means you're still trying to find out who they are. But you, you, you know, the websites obviously that are operating. Then you're going to find out. You're going to, sure. send, you're going to send out your nin- Nintendo ninjas and detectives in order to find out who the identities are. Right. I guess that's probably what's happening here. Uh, okay, that's all I'm going to say about it. All right, Ian, we have a Patreon. We do Patreon.com/slash/cupodcast, and, and we, we we offer some uh, a selection of bevies. We don't we don't have any toast boxes though. But what do we have there? Services. Lots of toast box <sighs> services. We have services there. Um. Ian does a writing once a week. Yeah, I do a writing once a week. Can I do one today or tomorrow? I I do, yeah, I do a hangout uh, once a month. Uh, we do the full audio podcast. Yes, is on there. That's the big no, one. no full video full, podcast. Full video. That's that's the big the audio one. one's available anywhere. Podbean, Stitcher, audio, iTunes, anywhere. Please download the audio version. I know you like to see our chubby faces, but please download the the uh, the audio version there. What the hell is a toast box? Sorry, from before. My guess is that it's uh, like avocado toast to go. Okay. Um, anyway, so we have a Patreon poll. So in, in third place, Micro Prose returning as a publisher. Is it a big deal or not? No, it's not. There's only 21, 1%, 21% of people cared in the poll. Uh, in second place, wow, this is neck and neck, 37%. Would the value of complete inbox NES games be different now had they had used plastic cases? Um, 37%. In first place, Ian, a deep dive discussion of Embryo Jump. So I don't know what, what if I have like if I can deep dive, but I can tell you that I've played the shit out of NBA Jam. Well, you better be able I, to because this has been I, on the, here for seven weeks. I can talk topic. about my past <laughs> with NBA Jam. Sure. Um, first, I would like to uh, take this moment to um, promote my friend Ray and Ali's book NBA Jam from Boss Fight. Oh yeah, it's yeah, damn good. My it's copies real, runners. real good. My copies are somewhere. So get that and read it. And I'm not going to talk about that behind the scenes stuff because that's what you buy the book for. Oh, you could drop a ditty or two to help promote um, the book, but. Um, right I don't here. know. I don't know. It's it should be right there because should I be guarantee right you have not flipped through it yet. <laughs> it, it should be right here. It should, it should it's be on r- top of my Red Bull Pac-Man limited uh, box. Here. Yes, Sorry, which no. has also been sitting there for so long. It's insane. I don't know what to do with that thing. Sorry, go on. Uh, but yes, I remember NBA Jam clearly. I remember um, the first time I played it. My buddy wanted me to play it in the arcade. It was his birthday. It was at Putt Putt. Putt Putt Funning Games. It was Putt Putt Funning Games. It was a mini golf course. Uh, there was a chain of them. The generic Western mini golf is Putt Putt. Putt Putt. That's what it was called. Um, and I didn't want to because it was a sports game and I didn't understand. So I watched them play and I jumped in and I I, just, I watched and I was like, this is this is different. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't have to follow a team of players. Uh, I don't have to worry about rules and regulations. I was like, this just yeah. looks like basketball. You don't. This, you really don't know basketball strategy that much to this, play it. There's there's different strategy entirely for NBA. Yeah, game because it's a two on two. It's two it's on not, two. It's not five on five. Also, you can shove people, and there's no yes. penalties. Knock to the floor, uh, and you can run, and then and then you see the dunks for the first time, and you go, holy shit. Um, so I jumped in, and I wasn't immediately good at it, but to me, I always played NBA Jam more as, it, to me, it almost felt like a mixture between a sport and a fighting game. It's very, very competitive, very, very back and forth, um, just in terms of how I think your emotions come out. It, it's, it's simpler, 
and it's more immediate. Your mistakes are, I, I, I would say, are, as opposed well, to because, say, playing something like FIFA, your 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 mistakes are. I mean, it's, well, it's, it's right immediate. There. It's quick. Yes. This game. It's very very fast. You get the ball, you can score in three seconds. Exactly. Um, so I played that a lot in the arcade when I'd go. I would actually play with my friend. Uh, he would want to play like Mortal Kombat or something, and I'd want to play NBA Jam. Um, when it came to console, I remember that being a big, big deal. Uh, Midway, or, well, Acclaim, who did publishing from Midway at the time, uh, was really good about making their game announce uh, their game releases a big deal. Uh, everyone remembers Mortal Monday. And uh, NBA Jam was also a really big deal at the time, too, I remember. I remember, like, it being a huge thing in school. Um, NBA Jam TE was uh, the follow-up, which added an actual tournament mode, so you wouldn't have to do everything by paper sheets and stuff like that. Um, But I think the big thing that everyone really remembers from TE is all of the crazy codes. And all of the crazy. Well, there was players. crazy codes in the original. There, there was, was more, but there's yeah. far more in in TE. Um, all the different players that you could unlock and stuff like that. Do you have any memories of uh, like a really tense uh, matchup, like a four player matchup? No, but because I mean, honestly, most NBA Jam games—that's how I would describe them—is well, is pretty tense. We didn't realize at the time with. Um, you know, with a rubber band AI, which it was so hard to beat. Like I, I remember against the computer for yes, sure. By the third or fourth game, it got tough. Like it got tough trying to go through, and then you realize, well, that's because they want your quarters. They're making it hard on purpose. Um, they didn't realize, you know, you had to turn turn off or turn on tournament mode. I always get confused in order to turn off the AI assist. Um, yeah, the first time I played it was uh, what it came out ninety three. More coming came out ninety two. So you're getting into the digitized realm of video games more and more by the early nineties. And it was at the drug uh, drug fair. You had drug fairs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which was like your kind of CVS, but bigger. I remember it was like a little bit bigger than a CVS, or about the, it was a little bit different than a CVS. I remember, but it was in the same ballpark. And they had the NBA Jam machine in the back, next to the, the those like swinging doors that went into like the back stock area in right. the break room. It was like right next to that, like all the way in the back. So they had an NBA Jam. Employees must have hated that. They had, they had an NBA Jam, and they had a Mortal Kombat there. And I think they had a third or fourth game. I'm trying to remember. But they, but that's right the first time I saw it. And we rode our bikes there. I mean, my cousin Chris. And it was like, it was like wow, it's, it's a four-player cabinet, which wasn't, you know, there wasn't a ton of four-player cabinets. Um, but it was surprising because, to me, that was the first, not indication, but that was the... The first time you saw a game like that and said, wow, we have a basketball game that's really going to blow up now for everyone. And um, you hadn't to that point. And, and and so when you look at that, like, yeah, it's based upon Arch Rivals, but Arch Rivals, two-on-two, but Arch Rivals was cartoony. The gameplay wasn't the best. It was a little jittery. Um, this really made... This is pick-up-and-play. Arch Rivals, you can say, isn't easy to pick-up-and-play. This is easy to pick-up-and-play. I'd say Arch Rivals is pretty easy to pick-up-and-play. Uh, mm, not to do that well on at it, I would say. This is uh, this is a lot smoother. I mean, this is better, for sure, but I don't think it's Arch Rivals better. Was, was hard to play. I mean, Pick-up-and-play. Sure. Um, so, anyway. So, so um, it, it was a time in 93 when the NBA exploded because of Jordan... Uh, by 93, he had won three in a row uh, before he retired um, for, for a year and a half. So the timing was just perfect, even though Jordan wasn't in the game, famously. He right. was the one big guy not in the game. 
uh, then Shaq and Barkley uh, weren't in the, 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 the other iterations after their rights were sold off right. for shitty fucking games, basically. For like Shaq Fu and for Barkley shut, shut up, up and jam. And jam. Yep. Yeah. But, but that for that for that 1.0 though, or whatever, maybe 1.1, you had Barkley and Shaq in the game um there. So you had no Jordan. And of course the rumor is there was a version made with Jordan in it. We I don't know if that was ever actually confirmed or not, or if we, if it was, we, we you know, we don't know if Jordan has it somewhere, he doesn't give a shit about it. Uh but but yeah, that was sort of the blow up time. Like the NBA got bigger in the eighties because of because of uh, mostly because of because of Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. And the Celtics versus Lakers, but it went worldwide in in the, in the '90s because of Jordan. And yeah, Jordan is, was a phenomenon in and of itself. He's like Babe Ruth, you know. He's one of those like five guys that like, really went outside of sports and to pop culture to a large extent. Um, but no, it was fun because you tracked your progress. I played the Knicks, obviously. Oakley and Ewing was a solid team on defense, and Ewing was a pretty good shooter in the game, like in real life. Could hit those threes, Ewing. Um, here and there and and i would say this i was always an arcade snob which is why i never liked the ninja turtles uh two arcade game on the nes because it couldn't hold it didn't even look to me or feel like the arcade it's game. stiff uh, and it adds levels that don't need to be there i really dislike the arcade the tmnt 2 port you hit through the enemies with no damage in in, in that game i do not like it. it doesn't make any sense um anyway so the Super Nintendo version comes out, and I immediately don't like it. I loved the Genesis version. Um, the I did not like the Super Nintendo version because the players didn't they they had one face uh, on it, or maybe two, but but there was only you know two heights. They're either really tiny or huge there, so there was no scaling on the game as well. And the, the announcing they they no music while you play the fu- game on court. For some, whatever reason, I don't know why they didn't do that. And then uh, there was only like ten to twelve different voice samples that they could fit in the game. It's one of those so, rare instances where the I, Genesis version of the game is is considered far better than the Super Nintendo version of the game. Um, but in the Genesis version, it, it's a little bit harder to play because you don't have triggers for Turbo. Um, but you can still play it though. But it's just a little bit tougher, right? Because you had the Turbo in the middle and the I B. Have no problem with it. Yeah. Or is on the A? I forget. Uh, I think it's B. It was B in the middle, so I think B. it's B. So you can you can, you can hold it, you to can run, roll it, to or, uh, hold it, and then slide over to, to shoot to, easier. Or, or but you also the shove with it as well for steel. But. Um, but yeah, I still play the Genesis version. I play the Genesis version with Lincoln, and it's fun. But playing the arcade version is, it, and, and I haven't play. I rarely play the arcade version it's, these days. It's so good. The original, like you don't need to play the arcade TE or hang time. The original is still a great game, even if it doesn't have everything else that the other ones have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the, it doesn't have, it doesn't have, you know, the, uh, alley-oops that they added to hang time or the, the you know, the fadeaways and leaners they had in hang time. Uh, TE added, um, uh, what did it, what did TE add for gameplay off the top of my head? Didn't add a huge amount. It did do like the spots on the court. Uh, the substitutions. Substitutions. Yes, that was well. I'm there not, was more attributes for the players. Yes, as well, but not on the on the court. It was kind of it was the same game. It was the same game. Gotcha. Um, um, did you know that when they first demoed the game, like they there wasn't any stats for any of the players. They didn't think about that. Really? And that was one of the first bits of feedback they got. And uh, before they and this this actually comes from Rain's book. Before they uh, play tested it again the next night. I think it was Termel, like, went back to the, um, uh, went back to work and, like, spent the entire night just 
He just feeding, dumped, feeding stats into the players so that they would all be just a guessing bit even just to have something. Yeah, yeah I mean he was wow. a big basketball fan, so I mean he had a good I was idea. Shocked they wouldn't have thought but of there it was, before. There was no stats initially. The first play test of it, the first version of NBA Jam that went out for play test, had no stats, and it wasn't because they weren't implemented yet. It was because they just hadn't done it. Wow. Because that's something about our rivals that a lot of people don't know. Uh, they all have little indicators under them that okay. say, like, you know, great thrower yes. or something like that. They're all the same exact player. There's no statistical differences between any of the players in our that's so we- That's so, that's so yeah. weird. Yeah. They didn't think about that to get that. Because even, even, you know, you had other basketball games, like even like, the, I guess the simulations had different stats for players. Yeah. I guess they didn't realize, well, it's not a thing that people would be concerned about. Well, I mean, I, I guess I can Maybe see. it's because some, some teams sucked compared to others, like in real life. Sure. Like you're not going to pick the. No one's going to pick the Mavericks uh, to play NBA Jam. Yeah, NBA yeah. Jam is not balanced on purpose. There's like, like seven good teams to yeah, pick. You're from. playing with the actual team. You're playing with the Sonics, uh, the Bulls. Obviously, you're playing with the Knicks, Hornets, uh, Hornets. You're not playing with those teams that got in seventh or eighth or ninth place. You right. know, you're, you're just not because they don't have the All Stars. If you had All Stars, you have a better team. You know, uh, the Rockets you would have played with at the time. Um, the Nuggets, maybe. I'm trying to remember the, the rosters. I should bring up the rosters. Hornets but, are always my always my team in that. Was it was it Muggsy and LJ? No, it was LJ and I think the morning home version. It was morning. I can't remember who the original was for 1.0 of the arcade. Yeah, because even after it was 1.1, they changed out a bunch of players for trades. See. Hornets original NBA Hornets, Jam roster. NBA Jam. Uh, here's the original roster. Uh. And some have three because I swapped out one. Gotcha. That can't be. Oh, that's for that's for SNES. Okay. No, you would have picked the Jazz. Stockton and Malone. You would have. Everyone would have picked them, as well. Um, you can get Reggie Miller and Rick Smiths on the Pacers. <laughs> uh, anyway, so did you mind that there was only two guys on each team? No, I didn't. I mean, it's like I said when they watching added, it, they added injuries to TE to, to make you want to swap out players. Um, that's right. What I. Uh... So it was morning in Curry by the time you got to TE. Uh, there was a substitution. I'm not sure who else was there. Anyways, whatever. It doesn't matter. TE had, had at least three per. Some, mm-hmm. some teams had four. Um, but no, it didn't bother me. Like I said at the beginning of it, that was actually what appealed to me. It was less to pay attention to. Gotcha. Uh, it was easier to focus on. It made it something that appealed to me. I didn't feel like I needed to know the sport of basketball super well. No. To, uh, to play it. Because as much as I love basketball now, me getting into basketball wasn't really something that happened until like 99, 2000. Sure. So. EGM rated the Super Nintendo version, gave it a 9 out of 10. Hell no, 9 out of 10. You know how hard it is to block in that game? Blocking's broken in the Super Nintendo version uh, of uh, NBA Jam. Mm. It's broken. You, you, can, you can't block a dunk in that game uh, on the Super Nintendo. That's a bullshit re- uh, review, EGM. Come on. They only have the Genesis one only 7.6 out of 10. I do know that blocking is easier in the Genesis one. I do know that. It's, 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 it's a somewhat different engine, I believe. Um, anyway, I've never played the Sega CD version or 32X ones. Uh, to, I don't know how much better they are. But uh, yeah, Hangtime it, it ends the trilogy, basically. I don't care what the other jam crappy games are. Showtime's fun to, fine, uh, too. But was, they had that like, three-quarters one that shifted. And, no. Hangtime is, is a great game, but no one... People, people talk about it, but people don't associate it with NBA Jam because it doesn't. But it's NBA Jam, basically, and that's it's a fantastic game. It has a create create a create a player. It has, it has leaners and it has a little bit more a little bit more technical skills involved in playing the game. They added for that third one that basically ca- to me caps the uh, the trilogy there. 
Anyway, check out again. I'll say this every time. This is the best video ever. Me and Lance from Retroware are beating uh, Stuttering Craig at NBA Jam uh, at, uh, at um, MAGFest like 2011 or 12. Two on two. And Craig was so pissed because Craig does not like to lose. Also, get that book. NBA Jam. Boss Fight Books. Ray and Ali. Buy it. Damn it. I thought I had it right over here before. Yeah, check it out. Check Ray out that and you book. owe me some ruffles. Ruffles? Yeah, we talk about snacks online. <laughs> I like snacks. I want to talk to an author about snacks. That would be great. Me and Blake don't talk about snacks enough. Oh, Blake's announcing a new book, by the way. I don't know what it's going to be, but he announced the announcement of a book. So that's... I think I know what it's going to be based on conversations, but I won't give it away until it comes out. But it's, if, 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 if it is what I think it is, it's going, to be, it's going to be interesting. I'll just say that. All right. Moving on to one last Q&A, and I got to get to work. Q&A time on the CU podcast. We've been holding this one for a while. This is from Rick at It's... It's me, Rick, Rick V. Rick V. Okay, I was going to say... That's it, my boy, Rick. Also, I was going to say it's, it's Merrick V, but it's me, Rick V. Uh, while I'm also promoting stuff, uh, check out Yokoi Kids, uh, mine and Rick's and uh, Eric's and a lot of people's project on the Game Boy. We're currently doing a zine. It'll be fun when that gets out. It's in production. Anyways, Rick okay. asks, As two video games, video games men... Do you think emulation is becoming less of a dirty word in the old-timey video games community? Yes. I think it very much is. Um, I think when emulation first hit the mainstream, when it, not even mainstream, when it just first happened, like when I first discovered, you know, I could emulate NES games mm-hmm. uh, on my, my girlfriend's computer in high school, um, you know, you got this feeling that you were really, like, doing something. I'm stealing. I'm stealing. It's like Ooh, stealing candy. Yeah, I shouldn't be doing this. Uh, but as time goes on, and, I, I, and it's, there's definitely a, a, um, a correlation uh, between the acceptance and the popularity now of video game preservation. As, video, as, as awareness of video game preservation rises, emulation becomes less and less a bad word because it's not just a way to play your games for free like it used to be you know uh where where you know people would you know complain about that um it's now an integral part of just being able to experience video games in general and it's an integral part to how video you know being able to preserve games for the future emulation is absolutely necessary um i should also mention that you know there were like stores and places that were down on emulation especially like retro game stores Treg and i were never that way we wouldn't actively like sell emulation in the store but emulation in our opinion even back then didn't really hurt the business the people who weren't going to buy the games weren't going to buy them to begin with. And yeah, there's for- never every, any evidence I've ever saw of emulation hurting retro gaming or collecting at all. None. Right. It, it probably even encouraged it. It made it proliferate. That's exactly where I was going. What we found in our experience was that emulation actually helped sales or did not affect them in so much that collectors or people who were inclined to buy the games would emulate, and they would simply use that as a way to decide what games they wanted to add to their collection. Oh, try okay. before you buy. Right. That's what All right. They, they did Maybe Adventures in the Magic Kingdom has some fun spots, but we don't want to buy this, but tell you what, we really like this Adventures of Lolo, so we're going to go in and buy Lolo next time. That's just, I think, how you know it works for a lot of people. Um, it's not like it eliminated a large portion of a customer base. Like I said, people that, still want to play it on a TV with a real NES. I guess what I'm trying to get at, like, is those people were never our customer base to begin with. There was no customer base sure. to get rid of. Sure, the same way, like when people complain about, oh, the movie industry 
there's so many people pirating the, the movies. Like, I will never watch a new release on, on my computer or on a TV, a shitty version, versus going to the movie theater if I want to see it. Right. I would never do that. And likewise, I'm unlikely to go to the theater for most things. So if I pirate a movie to watch it, it didn't take money from the box office because I wasn't going to go. Yeah, I mean, there's no way to quantify it, but to me, that's... If you're going to buy something you want to buy, you're not going to be deterred by, oh, here's a crappier free version. Right, no, exactly. Almost, it almost, does not work that, that way. That almost never happens um, there. Uh, yeah, um, it's weird because people always say we're like anti-emulation. No, absolutely not. I've never heard... We've always said I've been using there's, emulators since like 96. There's this weird... I, I see it come up sometimes, and I, I saw... Uh, and it's not to bring that up, but I saw it recently when... Um, uh, you know, uh, 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 it was rich. Uh, you know, uh, came at us for uh, what what I had said. But there was what I'm getting. Slime at, face there was, USA. There was a comment in the. There was a response in the comments that was like, "Yeah, these are the bragging people, and oh, look at what we have." And I'm like, I don't even fucking collect. Like, you could barely call me a collector. I buy Game Boy games, and sure, I collect PC Engine games, but I've never bragged about a game. In fact, I'd say go emulate everything. I don't have any real attachment to these physical objects. I just like buying stuff for the PC Engine. It, 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 it's there. I think, and I just mean it in general. I think there is this idea that we're anti-emulation. But, um, you know, Pat's obviously a big collector, but if you wanted to look at my video game collection, if you came over to my house, I could point you to a shelf, I could point you to a card box that holds my Game Boy games, and I could point you to a small uh, shelf that has, like, some PS4 physical copies in my Switch games. I don't have, like, a room full of video games. Well, we're going off topic, but if I really wanted to brag about my games, I would have a series bragging about my games. And it would do well on YouTube. I said, hey, look at this game worth $3,000 right here. Look at this game worth $10,000. Sure. I don't do that. But I'm not trying to get that there. I'm just trying to say, yeah, we're not anti-emulation. I'm, I'm very pro-emulation. No, no, no. I'm very, an- very pro-emulation. I'm anti when you make money off of it yes. and pirate and then try to fool people and, and counterfeit. That's where I'm against. I think most people fall in that line. Or they, no one's almost like, yeah, pro will make bootleg games and sell them off AliExpress for 10 bucks. Almost everyone says that's wrong. You shouldn't do that for lots of different reasons. Right. That's, but that's not emulation. That's counterfeiting. Right. That's it's not emulation. Totally different. It's counterfeiting. Anti-counterfeiting. Anti-counterfeiting boxes, manuals, games, anything that you can trick someone. And plus, you know, it's it's it's, it's horseshit. Emulation, at least the best of it, the 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 the, the ethical of it, the 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 big stuff. The emulators are free. Some yes. of them used to charge licensing keys, but. Most of them don't even do that anymore. No. Most emulators are free and ROMs are free. You know, there are the, you know, at, at, at the base level, no one's making money off of it. No. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah. What you said talk about uh, preservation. Yeah. There's a lot of things that 50 years from now, you will only be able to play some of these things through emulation anyway. Hardware emulation. I mean, how many, how many working. How many working RCA Studio 2s are you going to be able to find easily 50 years from now that are still in operation? Sure. You know, or Fairchild. More the esoteric stuff. They'll have their poison fucking spikes, but they won't. Oh, have. that RCA Studio 2 design is so weird. I almost want to go back and watch our video give me your segment of that. Because um, <laughs> we just went off on how it looked like it looked like trash, that console. It's bizarre. RCA, we got to... What's going on there, RCA? Anyway, um, but... There's also emulation for things that are not video game related that we forget about. Um, electronic games, you know, things like that. You know, things LCD that are, games. Yeah, more the things like that are more that. like toys. So you have to do this. And there's also emulation of like pinball machines and things like that. Even like a bagatelle that existed in the 30s. You get like representation of it. And it's it's a way of sharing history and a way of education. 
and I hope I'm not being too holy saying that, that like there is a lot of positive aspects to emulation where you, it's not just like oh you're playing games for free how dare you no that's that's not it that's not it at all there is there is a preservation factor uh, we have to deal with here I'm sure there's some arcade games out there that are emulated that you it, it would take you months to find a working cabinet somewhere in the U.S. It's in someone's collection or has to be repaired and and the, now you can play that game from like '74 you know like, like that, the weird you know pre the pre-Pac-Man era of video games, I'll just say, in the 70s, were like, you have those early games that are hard to find. Yep. You know, it's, it's just, there's less and less of them out there. How many times are you going to find a Death Race arcade machine? I think I've seen them twice in my whole life. Yeah. You know, like, there's some weird shit out there. Uh, what was that weird one I used to play? Um, not used to play, it was at, at the uh, Southern California meetup. It was like that, that like, uh, lightsaber dueling game. I don't know the name of that f- that freaking arcade game, but damned if there's not that many of those out there to, to find to play that. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it, it's you're saving history there, and uh, yeah, that, that's all I want to say there. That's uh, that's it. It's not a. I don't think it's been honestly. I don't think it's been a dirty word for like twenty years. I don't think. I don't think it's been a dirty word since I can remember it. For twenty years, sure. I mean, in the two thousands, it was. I, but in the two thousands, it was. Even? I, but I think, I think since two thousand and ten, like oh, I so said, you only said did ten years. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, what was it? Once Nintendo literally started using emulators on the on the on the Wii for for the virtual console. I mean, was yeah. it less of a dirty word there when Nintendo admits? Yeah. Well, it's, I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I don't think the it, average person who thought of emulation as a bad thing was really thinking about emulators on the Wii and realizing what was at play there. Yeah, Nintendo and literally going online and getting ROMs online yeah. and putting them on. <laughs> Without sure. they create their own ROMs for some of the games. All, All right, right. Well, that's it for this CU podcast. We hit, we hit an hour and thirty, like just on the dot. Sweet. I'm gonna go get my cell phone uh, screen repaired because I, I had it cracked there. Unfortunately, I'm gonna go to work. Get to work, you bum. All right, go work. Hi everyone. I'll talk about Frank next. I forgot to talk about my conversation with Frank, but I'll talk about it next Frank week. Next week. All right. All right. Ian. We'll see you later. Go 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 go. Get some dirty trade-ins. <laughs>